0: welcome to this special series of the truth about low government podcast we're going to be doing a collaborative series with the district councils network where i interview senior leaders from district councils across england to hear about how their councils can and do make a real difference to their residents and communities we're going to be exploring the challenges facing the sector but more importantly the solutions that are being implemented i hope you enjoy As we look towards the future, it's important that we sometimes take a look back and see where we've come from, the progress we've made and importantly, the things that we want to ensure we continue to do and the things we want to avoid from happening again. Today, I'm talking with a really exciting um, director, executive chief executive director, uh, Mr Trevor Holden, who is the national chair of the District Council's network chief exec group. Managing Director of Broadland South Norfolk Councils, Director of Broadland Growth Limited, and Managing Director of Big Sky Developments Limited. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on. How are you?
1: Yeah, really good. It's really good to be with you this afternoon. Thanks, Matt.
0: Amazing. So let's start with the conversation about the District Council's network. Where has the last... Uh, what's been achieved over the last 50 years? Where has the DCN come from?
1: Yeah, OK. So so in 1972, there was a, believe it or not, a comp- conversation around reorganisation, reorganising local government, it seems we've been having that conversation ever since that time, and actually, if you go back to the 50s and go back to the 40s, the size and scale of local government was a matter for discussion. But in 1972, there was an Act that said, we're going to change the way local government is constructed, and that was implemented in 1974 on the 1st of April.
0: Absolutely amazing. I mean, it, it's a really important change that took place. And I think it's interesting as well that, you know, the challenges that uh, that we're facing now are challenges that we've been facing kind of from that from that point and from that kind of uh, that point of creation. So not enough money, recruitment issues and local government reform.
1: Are we going to be here in the same place in another 50 years, you think? Do you know, I'd hazard a bet that actually this will be an enduring conversation because because the world changes, the dynamics change, communication methods change, the way we do work changes, um, and we're seeing continued growth in terms of population and housing numbers. But if you go right back to the beginning, why local government? Local government was um, in its current form spawned from the industrial revolution, and it was about making sure that the workforce had good places to live, had good opportunities for skills, um, were fit and healthy for work, so good recreation. And when you look at together, look together at all of the services we deliver as uh, district councils or indeed our colleagues in county councils or unitaries, they're all centered around the citizen and making sure the citizen is is well fit, healthy um, and really meets and is able to work their way up Maslow's hierarchy of need.
0: And that's just the important part about this, is, is is making the citizen aware as to the challenges that exist and what the aspirations are of one of the largest, well, the largest membership organisation for local authorities in the UK, the District Council Network. So if we can go
1: there, what at the moment, at the present time, is the purpose of the DCN? Yeah, OK, so the District Council's network has 169 member councils. Most of those are district councils, Um, some of those are unitary councils, and its role and purpose really as a membership organisation is one to achieve economies and efficiencies. So do we get to do the thinking once, but predominantly to lean in and work with government colleagues, work with colleagues in the local government association and broader partners, be that police or health. Uh, to make sure that policy is being evolved in the right way and that we're making a contribution at our senior national level to the way we do business going forward. What what do you feel? I mean,
0: obviously, it's a challenging time for the local government space at the moment in terms of funding, in terms of an ever increasing demand from the social constructs that they, they feed into in the community. What are the future aspirations of the network and um, what would you say are the priorities that you, as one of the leading chief executives in the country for the DCN, would like and will see the DCN targeting over the forthcoming years?
1: Yeah, so I'd say um, everything's changed but nothing's changed. Um, So the bit that's nothing's changed is an absolute focus on delivering the best outcomes for the residents that we serve and I don't think that's public sector ethos has diminished over the years. So you can go and speak to my team or go and speak to any of the teams who are working from district councils, um, whether that's the guys and girls who are collecting the refuse and cleaning the streets, to the people who are working in the revenues and benefits, collecting council tax, or the people who are community connectors, dealing with people who are down on their uppers and trying to support them in any way that we can. So that bit's common. The stuff that changes is the way we do that and the way things are delivered also where some of the pressures are coming from so high on the agenda for us at the moment is the conversation around housing and homelessness it's a national debate we've seen a slow in slowdown in the production of new houses we've seen people leaving the private rented sector at the very same time as we're seeing pressure on demand some of that's because of changes in the structure of family units, so people are living older, um, more families are separated, Um, so the structure of housing requirement is different as well as seeing um, an influx of people who require housing. So homelessness and housing are going to be real and present issues for us going forward and how we fund affordable housing products and social housing in a time when the market is, is depressed and we're not delivering enough houses nationally key issue for us. We're seeing another key issue around um, environmental issues, particularly around government agenda to change the way we deal with refuse. And you know, we've moved a long way from all of the rubbish that households produce going to holding the ground, we don't do that anymore. Um, We're seeing a large proportion of um, waste term being recycled, uh, and the remainder predominantly going into um, energy from waste plants. So we've come a long way but we've still got a long way to go to make sure we minimise waste, make sure we minimise food waste and make sure that that service is financially sustainable. So there are some of the key issues. The underwriting issue for us and every other form of local government is how we're financed and how we will be financed in the future to make sure that we can continue to meet the aspirations and the needs of the communities we serve.
0: And one of the key points that we've talked about off air is, is galvanising as a collective uh, and empowering that collective voice because of the size of your number of member authorities that you have. You're really, it is incredibly important in having that agenda with central government. Um, One of the questions which I'm I'm frequently asking at the moment, I don't mean to sound cynical, but there is innovation that can happen throughout the key points around housing, homelessness, um, around environmental factors. But do you think that there is enough innovation and enough kind of um, flexibility within the model that can uh, uh, sort all the issues? Or do you think that we do need to have a fundamental funding change from central government to local authorities?
1: So I think there's something about freedom um, in terms of uh, really, really simple things around the way council tax is set. Um, Now, that's a a political decision and a political lobby, not my place to be in that space. Um, But it seems slightly bizarre that you've got elected politicians locally, but they're constrained in terms of their ability to set council tax other than within certain parameters, which is controlled centrally. Equally, most councils need to be able to start to see where they're generating and they can set fees and charges for themselves. So, by and large, planning, planning fees are set centrally, um, and it would be perhaps a good inducement for places when they're they're looking at their growth agenda to say, actually, we can set some of those fees and charges ourselves. But we have to remember that not all places are as economically active as other places so you know we look at cambridge and you've got an overheated heated economy there with people just wanting to pour into cambridge and that won't be the same in different parts of the country also the demands and the demographic of a place um, will reflect on whether it's got a high demand for social housing whether it's got a high demand for adult social care or children's social care so there are it's not quite as simple as everybody every place has an equal share or an equal opportunity so i think there will always be a place for um government intervention to try and level out some of those challenges that exist between different places
0: that's a really very eloquent way of, of tackling that and i completely agree with you there are nuances i mean i was talking to to rose the chief executive and pendle and she has a completely different challenge to some of the more you know uh, the areas in the southeast of england um If, you know, one of the key parts about this podcast series is to provide advice and to give some structured um, kind of help to those that are listening who either work for local authorities or as part of the supply chain. Um, How does somebody who works in local government, how, you know, why is being an active part of the DCN important?
1: Yeah, so I think it's been focused on that, that clear mission that we've all got to make a difference to the life opportunities of the people we serve, wherever that might happen to be. Um, And as part of the DCM, we are so much stronger together. You touched on earlier, Matt, we are the single biggest group within the family of the local government association. Um, We deliver those key services. I was speaking to a chief exec colleague the other day. We we deliver the universal services that people see, whether that's parks, street cleansing, whether that's refuse, street lighting, uh, lighting, or the like. They're the things that people notice and see, and they have an immediate impact on their quality of life. We can lobby and influence those things far, far better as a bunch of local authorities under the umbrella of the district council network, serving over 200 million people with a spend of over 8 billion pounds, and also a whole raft of MPs responsible for our individual areas that actually collectively we can lobby to make an influence in the policy area.
0: And in terms of I mean, earlier we talked about, you know, having a collective approach to the problems and um, utilizing the kind of the economies of scale and economies of power uh, to tackling those problems, uh, and then albeit utilizing that, the nuances at a local level. If somebody is there who is doing something excellent or is really proud of what they're doing in particular district council, is it who should they be contacting if, if the DCN, if they want to say, hey, we're doing something really great over here, whether it be waste or housing or homelessness? What's the methodology of kind of getting in contact with the DCN?
1: Yeah, so the the first thing i would say in there, there is innovation everywhere you turn and everybody is dealing with things slightly different. And there's some really, really remarkable stuff going on across the district council network. Um, We are a platform to be able to share, one of the platforms to be able to share that good practice. uh, And we pick up the right people to be able to have the conversation back into government or just to play that back to ourselves. So we've got the annual district council's conference in uh 14th 15th of march this year and that will be a platform where you've got leaders chief execs and senior officers and portfolio holders just in the mix and hearing what best practice looks like but for anybody who's not familiar with the district councils network the best place to get a comprehensive look is to go onto the district council's um, website have a look at that. You'll see who the key players are. You'll see their contact numbers. You'll also see our recent successors and our policy lobbies, and it will give you a real feel for the size and scope of what the District Council's network is all about.
0: Because it's having that enthusiasm to be part of this collective and not part of your identity if you're working with district council is being part of the DCN, being part of this national solution to local problems, which I think is just so important. Not only is it cost-effective, but it helps expedite and is a catalyst for positive change. Now, one of the issues or one of the challenges that we have as a sector is retention, it's recruitment. And I'd like the opportunity, Trevor, to talk to you about your journey, um, and in particular your role as chief executive. Can you talk a bit about kind of why you stayed working in local government throughout your career?
1: Yeah. So so mine's mine's not the atypical journey. So I did 26 years in the Royal Air Force, um, was really privileged to serve Her Majesty's government all over the all over the globe at the time. Um, But at 27 years, it was kind of time to do something different. And a colleague of mine had stepped across into local government. I thought I'd done all the exciting things I was going to do in my working career in uniform for the RAF, au contraire. I came across to local government and that that unifying mission of today, we're going to make a difference um, is just a great reason to spring out of bed in the morning. And I've been really lucky. I did 18 months at a place called Arrowwash in Derbyshire, um, took on Director of Environmental Services as a responsibility completely divorced from anything I'd ever done before other than it wasn't because the products were different but it was about a people motivation and leadership role and I got to work with some really really great people Um, after 18 months there I had the opportunity to be chief executive at Breckland Council in Norfolk really really great learning ground very large rural um, authority in Norfolk my home patch so i grew up in norfolk and it was a really people had said to me it's great when you work in the place where you come from it absolutely is great when you work in the place where you come from because you have so many connections and touch points with it but i went from there after three years to luton now luton was only geographically two two hours down the road boy was that a learning ground it was the first super diverse place I'd worked in in my life. It was a tight, is a tight urban environment where people relate to and are really, really proud to be Newtonians. And, and I count myself as an honorary Newtonian, and I'm proud of that, not least of all, because the football club's doing really rather well. Um, and we saw them promoted twice while I was there. But the energy and the pace the proximity to London, but not in London, functioning like a London borough, but not in London. The council owning the airport. Can you imagine being the chief exec of a um, a, a unitary authority that owns um, the fifth largest airport in the country and being intimately involved in driving the business case for that? Not so that there's loads and loads of money pouring into a shareholder's pocket, but actually so that it's generating cash to play straight back into the community that own it. That was a huge and really exciting 10 years before then having the opportunity to come back to Norfolk and bring together the paid service of Broadland District Council and South Norfolk Council into a single one team servicing the needs of two different and independent councils. I'd say to anybody who's considering a local government career in whatever of the disciplines the world is your oyster. Um, just make sure you jump out of bed with a smile on your face and you can make a difference.
0: You've, you clearly you've you're somebody with a huge amount of energy and a huge amount of um, personal uh, uh, character. Trevor, what advice would you give to somebody who is starting out uh, in local governments or, or conversely? And again, I should try not ask two questions at the same time, but I think it, it, the, the, the two to link somebody who's leaving the armed forces and thinking about a career in local government, what advice would you give them to be successful? And also, as you have done, hopefully succeed and go up that ladder.
1: Yeah, so so we say to all of our people, whether they're joining us as uh, a 17-year-old apprentice, um, whether they're joining us from a mid-career point, because we have got people who have transferred across from the armed forces into us, whether that's in cyber security, whether that's regulatory, whether that's um, administration, across the board um, we all say to people bring yourself to work um, we i'm really lucky to have a really vibrant workforce um, who do exactly that we've got people who i don't know one, one of our new starters said to me the other day well well i, I run a bat hospital completely completely different from anything they do at work but just adds a real richness into the the workplace one of our team, um, we had our, our chairman wanted to have a uh, carols around the Christmas tree. One of our teams is a professional singer. People are really, really happy and pleased to bring themselves to work and grow a really, really strong team. And as we wrestle with what does the future of work look like, because we're still in that kind of post-COVID era, um, we're really lucky to have a super office which is more often than not full because people like coming to meet their colleagues in the environment that we've got for them to work in so my advice would be bring yourself to work put your energy in be enthusiastic make a difference don't worry about the career stuff the career stuff will happen if you're absolutely real present and making a difference people will notice
0: And having that versatility and the tapestry within the people is just so, so wonderful and so brilliant and important as well that the people that, you know, work for local authorities to look after communities, represents the communities with that diversity. Um, Being a chair of two councils must have its challenges. Is it any different to being a chief exec of one council? Are Are there any nuances or any learns that you've had along the way?
1: Yes, it's, it's really rich. So while I was Luton, I was actually covering three councils in three different council in three different counties at the same time. So for, for about <coughs> excuse me about nine months, I looked after um, South Holland, working for um, Lord Porter, was the leader of the council at the time, um, Luton and, and Breckland. And now I've just got two which are coterminous. Um, and within the same geography, but you really do have to stay alive to the independent identity of those individual councils because for the councillors, that's, that's who, who they are. They are Broadland Council or they are South Norfolk Council. The residents respond to those brand names and those, those places. Um, and you have to understand that even though statistically you look across those two and go, they're really quite similar. They're actually really quite different. Um, so there's huge opportunities in terms of efficiencies, economies of scale, saving money, but you have to be absolutely mindful of the fact the places are different, the leadership is different, and you are working for two separate councils, even though at an officer level you're exploiting the economies and efficiencies that you can make.
0: The final question for you As someone who clearly is a high performer, what is What is high performance for a chief executive in local authority?
1: Mm, I I think it's the rich tapestry. When you look across my colleagues in the District Council's network, there are people who I am just simply in awe of because they're so good at what they do. They're really good at engaging with people. They're really good at motivating people and making stuff happen. We just need to recognise and make sure that we continue to have a sector which has got characters, which recognises and embraces difference in all of its various guises because collectively, and that's the strength of the district council's network, collectively we're so much stronger because we come together, we respect our differences and we have a common purpose which is make a difference to the people that we serve.
0: Trevor, thank you so much for your time, it's been great talking to you. Matt, thanks very much indeed. If there's one thing you take away from this podcast episode, it's that the variety and the versatility um, of our council communities are stronger when we work together. If you've enjoyed the episode, please, as always, tune back in for more interesting episodes later in the series. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode brought to you by the Truth About Local Government and the District Council Network. Thank you to the DCN for their support to our guest speakers that are coming on and to you, the listener at home, thank you for your ongoing support. If you've enjoyed the episode and the series, please like, share and give that support we need to keep giving free content to the community and to local authorities across the UK.